Okay, we Chumash um, Bamidbar didn't account it, and we also who does the counting? We do it together with the Nesiim, right? And we enumerate their names, who they are. The Eilu Shmois Ha'Anoshim Ashayam Do Itchem, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu enumerates all the Shvatim. Yeah. Okay. And then the parsha goes on to tell us how they rested, rested in the desert. How they, yeah, how they parked, were parked in the desert. And the, the golem, the, the flags, each the group, there were four golem, four heads, like the, who the who leaded four leaders, and the four camps, four golem, four groups. And each group had what was comprised of each of the groups was comprised of three shvatim, and those were the Yudbe shvatim. Yeah, these cups mm. aren't anymore. Sedo, sedo. Name, who's the guy? This right here. Do, 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 Okay. There's a wine glass. No, Papa's also still still film. Come on, please. He's gonna, he's gonna create a glass. This is this. This is this. As we'll go through this evening, we will see that we will touch on some issues in Parsha Shlach. Now, in Parsha Shlach, <coughs> excuse me, where we speak about the Meraglim, there too, HaKadosh Baruch who tells Moshe Rabbeinu to choose and, and appoint individuals who should travel to Eretz Yisrael to see what's going on there and should bring back a report. And we highlight also different, for each Shevet, there was an individual appointed. Who are they? They're different. They're not the same names as enumerated in Parsha's Bamidbar. Different people. Different people. One moment. Now, <coughs> if I really understand the Rugged Shover going correctly, it goes as follows. <coughs> that is not in Parsha's Bamidbar. He comments in Parsha Shlach. 
Because if one will examine, take out your, your stone edition in Parsha Shlach 798, page 798, it says in the first, in the second postdoc in Parsha Shlach, Hashem says, Shlach Lecha, where's John tonight? He wasn't, he was down by Davening? No. Excuse me, Shlach, pardon, what doesn't say in your Where's John? Excuse me, that's in the New Testament. Lahavdul. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my mother would tell me? After such a statement, slap your mouth. When I used to say something foul, she used to say, slap your mouth. Okay, but I think it fitted in well, no? Shlach lecha noshim v'yosuru eseret knan asher ani noisin levnei Yisroel ish echod, ish echod lemate avois of tishlochu koil nosivohem. So Hashem says, Hashem says to Moshe, send individuals, and each ish echod lemate avois of, basically, which is uh, the, the heads of uh, individuals which represent the shvotim, lemate avois of, koil nosivohem, they should be princes, right? And we start uh, appointing, we say who they're meant to be. Now the Rogachover going brings to our attention what it says in Talmud Yerushalmi, Yemesechta Soite. It says, Ish Echod, Ish Echod. Why the double expression, Ish Echod, Ish Echod, okay? Uh, possibly the Rogachover will also explain why it says, Kol Nosi Vohem, Kol. Well, literally it means every individual should be a prince. You should appoint princesses, or they should be the princesses which are traveling. Okay, whatever. But the main highlight is ish echad, ish echad. Why the twofold, the double expression? So it says in Talmud Yerushalmi, this is quoted in Toisvis Mesichta Soita Daf Lamed Dalid Omud Aleph. There's a machlokis between Rabbi. Says the Talmud Yerushalmi, the interpretation of this double expression will depend on Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yishmoel. We'll find throughout the Shah's arguments when we have a double expression in the Torah how we're meant to treat it. Rabbi Shmuel says that this is the double expression is as other Mepharshim explained, Dibra Torah, Kalosha Yodam. People express themselves that way sometimes to, to highlight, uh, to, to stress a point. So they therefore double say it twice. They don't stutter. It's just to highlight and, 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 and impress the message. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why it says ish echad, ish echad. So it's kfulos. In other words, that the double shoyness are kfulos. That's a standard way the Torah records. Rabbi Akiva says no. The double expression is ribuyim. They're coming to increase and coming to tell you that it wasn't just ish echad. It was ish echad, ish echad. And if that's the case, so there were twelve meraglim. Says the Talmud Yerushalmi, there were twenty-four meraglim. Okay. Now, these 24 Meraglim, it wasn't just, now the Gemara, what does Tosis bring it? Because there's an issue in Mesechta Saita, the Flamadalad, where the Gemara discusses and has a deliberation exactly how many and who was involved in carrying the different fruits from Eretz Yisrael to, from, uh, to, to, yeah, to, 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 to the Eden in the desert. Uh, so Tosis brings a Turtana, 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 whatever, all different Cheshbonas there. Dikar. So Teisvis therefore introduces this, uh, this Talmud Yerushalmi to say that there were actually 24 Maraglim. So therefore they're all joined in, in carrying the Eshkoil and the Anovim, etc., all the different Paris which they brought back from Eretz Yisrael. So the 24 were involved. Now, listen carefully. It, which in itself is an issue. When we'll come to Parsha Shlach, we'll discuss it. But let me just highlight just a couple of points which Mepharshim bring to our attention if there were 24 Maraglim. 
So there's one major issue which Mepharshim asks, and that is the Gemara and Mesechta Megillah and Mesechta Brochus derives that a minion is meant to be comprised of 10 Yidin. Halavai, we should have 24 Yidin by the million, by the minion. But Bechalayim, it's comprised of 10, because we learn out from, we subtract to Yeshua the Kolev, and we learn out, it says, and right, and says, so we should sanctify Hashem's name, and it says, he bought the same expression, is found by Adas Koirach, and we, are, we, are, we also draw parallels, we juxtapose the expression of Edo. Edo means the community, congregation. So just like the Edo, which is by the Mitoich of Koirach, is 10 minus, because it says Hiboglu, right? Remove yourself from this wicked group. Uh, so that's by Koirach. That means, uh, excuse me, yeah? I'm sorry, yeah? And uh, by the Meraglim, it says Edo, and that is, they're, they're, the, what it says in the context where the Edo is written, we, we're, we're, we're subtracting Yehoshua and Kolev, so therefore we have 10. So if that's the case... So we should need, if, uh, if we're saying that there are 24 Miraglim, we, sh- we should need 22 for a minion. So this is a Shiloh which is asked by Rabbi Yosef Shol Natanzon in his Agois on the Talmud Yerushalmi on the margin of your standard. standard. I have an MP press Yerushalmi, but I believe it's quite standard. Uh, you get it? Okay. I bought it on the east side about 25 years ago. Bal, 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 bal. We're getting, we're getting there. I'm gonna come. I'm just saying this off track. By the way, it's like you're getting late, and you're right. I should come to the point. Good uh, shkoch. So, so in the guys, gillion hashas on the margin. Normally, the gillion hashas and Talmud Bavli is from Rabbi Kiva Eger, but the gillion hashas and Talmud Yerushalmi, if I recall correctly, is Rabbi Yosef Shol, not Natanzon and his brother-in-law. Together, they can. Comprise the Gilead Ashas with different notes on uh, points which they raise on the Talmud Yerushalmi. But if it's what they ask, there should be the meaning should be twenty-two. Anyway, they remain with the question, if I recall correctly. But if we saw them before, him explain as follows: uh, This is raised and uh, brought to our attention also by in the Sefer Yesh Seder Lemishna. That is a commentary, a, a, a phenomenal commentary on Mishnah is Mesechtem in throughout the Shas. But it's also found, uh, this, uh, this issue is dealt with in the uh, Talmud Yerushalmi, in Yesh Seidel Mishnah, in Mesechta Megillah, Perek Dalat Mishnah Gimel, where he said, and also Rabbi Yosef Engel in his Sefer Gilyoyne Ashas, on his comments on, Mesechta, on Talmud Yerushalmi. Okay, now he says as follows explicitly in the Torah, we enumerate 10, right? Talmud Yerushalmi says we know from Ish Echad, because it's a double expression, that there were additional ten. Right? But clearly the Torah only enumerates ten of the twenty. Where are the other ten? Another twelve of the, tw- of the, 20, of the, of the twenty-four, right? Where are the other twelve? They're not mentioned. It's just alluded to what it says. Ish Echad, Ish Echad. Right? We don't know who they are. The Torah only highlighted the twelve. So says Rabbi Yosef Engel in the Gilani Ashas, due to the fact that the Torah explicitly writes these 12 only, so therefore when we come to another halacha, which wants to draw, derive uh, and adduce halachas from this text, we derive and adduce halachas from what is explicit, not from something which is alluded to. So therefore, when we're treating the word Ada, the definition of Ada, so explicitly in the Torah it says Ada, and explicitly the Torah enumerates 12, minus 2, so therefore we're dealing with these 10, even though according to the Yerushalmi, there were 24. 
because it's only alluded in the Ishechel. Okay, that's one approach. That's Rabbi Yosef Engel's approach. Uh, the, the Rabbi Yeshaya Berlin, also nicknamed Rabbi Yeshaya Pick. He didn't like it. We mentioned this once before because his father-in-law was Pick, and he supported him. And I saw it in a newsletter in a, one of the the, the Bletlach, the flyers, which which is published by, by, by from some institution, some organization published by Adasi Shroil, one of them. So I read it there. They quote where Rabbi Shai Berlin opposed, didn't appreciate that they nicknamed him and called him Pick based on his in-law's name because they supported him. And he was a big Gottel Israel. So his, his name is Rabbi Shai Berlin. You'll see sometimes they write Berlin and Pick is in brackets. And sometimes they write Shai Pick and Berlin is in brackets. Anyway, his name is from his wife or the Mishbacha from the... Anyway, Sigit. Just realize that Berlin is his name and... I don't think it's from the place he came from. That was his surname. And Pick is, yeah, a nickname. Whatever the case is, before Vaita. So he's one of the Gdoli Yisrael, this response in the Nehdebi Yehuda, right? He's a new Kalatari Kula. Cholaf, he brings the Talmud Yerushalm, and he says, listen, it will go uh, according, firstly, we have a machloit between Rabbi Yaakiva and Rabbi Shmuel, right? So according to what opinion, there's only 12. So he says, this Gemara, which tells us that we derive from Adas Kairach and from etc., from the Miraglim, that there are ten, will follow, or twelve, right? It follows with that opinion, Rabbi Yaakov's opinion, not Rabbi Shmuel's opinion. Another Pshati says that you have to understand, look what's going on here. He says, because the Torah enumerates only these twelve, right? Highlights these twelve, tells us their names, right? Records their names and doesn't record the other ones. What's the Pshat? Pshat is as follows. He says, because the other ones were Hashem Shemaim Niskavna. The other ones were good holy people. They were the good men. These fellows came back with a bad report. So basically, the Torah doesn't, well, deriving from Adas Kerach and juxtaposing Miraglim to the Adas Kerach, which is Eda, Roa, Zois, whatever. So therefore, he says, we're identifying them with those who are outspoken. Who are outspoken? These ten which we enumerate, which we record. The others who only were Mechavim L'Shem Shamayim, even though they brought back the fruit. But the fruit was to prove different things, but not to speak against Eretz Yisrael. To speak on behalf of Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, we're talking about minusing them. Yeah, we said that. Take it into consideration. What about it? So we, take a, we, we minus them. We take a subtract them. We don't take them into consideration. Precisely just that. So that's what Rabbi Shai Pick is saying. Just like we minus Yeshua and Kolev, we're minusing all the others. Because they will Hashem Shemaim. It's kind of like Yeshua and Kolev. Let's not go into it, because I'm not learning Hilchas Minyan, but if you want, that's one of the reasons, excuse me, it all appreciated, and be, I'm, I'm sorry, I started, and I get you agitated, and I rev you up, and I do that tackle for, and intentionally, in order that we should, and you get fellows who want to say a word, right, but it's, that's not intentional. When, I, but when this happens, I know what's going to happen, that I have to, people have to leave 9 o'clock, right? So, like I say, therefore, I highlight the Maramokim, not just to, Throw Maramukaimis. It's there, and it's an interesting topic, it's an interesting Indian, and therefore, look there. Perek, Dalad, Mishnah, Gimel, and Yesh, Seder, and Mishnah, it's in your standard Vilna Mishnahis. If it's Vilna or Varsha, whatever. Okay. Well, there is a Gilyoni Ashas, it's in the two volumes, Gilyoni Ashas. On the market, it's available, it's also on HebrewBooks.org, and if you need to access it, you can visit me in Six Cambia Grove. I'm sorry for all of that. Let's move on. The Iker, if I understand the Rogachover's comments in Mishnah Parsha Shlach correctly, it goes as follows. It would seem from many Mephorshim that even if there were 24, it had nothing to do with the Nesim of Parsha's Bamidbar. 
Seems like everybody's of the opinion, it seems to me, from the different uh, swarm I was just skimming through, that everybody, no one is of the opinion that these enumerated in Parshas Bamidbar, these Nisi Yisrael, well, what of the 24? There were 24 besides, even if there are 24, it has nothing to do with these 12. Okay? But, if I read the Rogachover correctly in Parshas Shlach, the Rogachover brings to our attention, and he says, look, it says, Ishechad, Ishechad. He says, according to the Talmud, and, and he brings as follows. It says in Seder Oilam, it says, it's in, in Parshas Koirach, it says, what does it say in Parshas Koirach? That the Nisiyin rebelled, right? The Nisiyin, so he was together, what is the Loshan? The Loshan is in the beginning, the, the, by Nisiyin, Eida Kriye Moyed Anshe Shem. So he got together the Nisiyin, the princes of the, of, the, of, the, of, the congreg- of the community, right? And they all went against Moshe Rabbeinu, they're joining up with Koirach. Who are these Nisim in Parshas Korach? So it's clear from Seder Oilam that they are the Nisim of Parshas Bamidbar. Okay? So according to Rogachavra claims that according, if there are two opinions if Korach, the story of Korach occurred before Parshas Shlach or occurred after Parshas Shlach. It's a machlokis between Rashi and the Rajbam. It's of different madrashim, etc. Whatever the case is. But according to some of the madrashim, at least from Korach, it's obvious, if the story of Korach happened after Parshas Shlach, right, they're still alive. The Nisim, but no, they're, they're still alive. The Nisim of Parshas Bambitbar are still alive. So if they're still alive, so if so, says the Rogachover going. They, they, when it says, Ishechad, Ishechad, Lamate, if I understand them correctly, I keep on highlighting that because I see everybody says the Nisim of Parshas Bambitbar did not go along. Says the Rogachover going, they went along. The Nisim of Parshas Bambitbar are also going along together with the Nisim. Those num- uh, mentioned in Parshas Shlach. So we have these 12 in Parshas Bamidbar, and together with these in Parshas Shlach, and he says as follows, when it says in Talmud Yerushalmi there are 24, there was the head prince, and the prince had a shamash, a mamalamokim. It doesn't say his lotion is Mishneu, second to the prince, not the princess, but second to the prince, right? And Bemele Mishneu, the vice, right? And Bemele, he says the Rogachov, if I understand, again I'm highlighting, if I understand correctly, why? If I can read him correctly, because the text is chopped up. It's not a clear text, it's not the full text, it's not there. The Shtiklach missing, because he wrote it, for, it was a manuscript, and they worked it out from the manuscript. And it's, it wasn't very legible, so therefore it's that, 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 some things, information missing. It would seem the Rabbi Chavar Goyen says that the Talmud Yerushalmi, <coughs> excuse me, according to the Talmud Yerushalmi, there are 24, it's the prince and the vice prince. What we record here are the vice princes. In other words, so the princes are in Parshas Bamid, but it's recorded the vice princes. Okay, so according to the Rabbi Shubra, yeah, these are the same. These are the same. Let's go on. Vice president, like an American. Like a president and vice president. Yeah, okay, he's good. Now let's go on a step further and read on to the Dgolim. We're talking about the Dgolim. It says in the Dgolim, the terrorist starts telling us on page 732 in Parashas. <coughs> so why would they go against the leaders, the, uh, Who? the sickening charge? Uh, well, we're not learning Shlach now or Kurdish. You're talking about Parashas Kurdish now? You're asking who would go against which leaders? Well, um, they're, they're the second in command. Well, they, uh, the second did get caught up, but the first didn't. Like we just discussed, there are certain opinions who say that the, the ones who aren't mentioned explicitly actually were Hashem Shemayim was coming. So those are the prince, those are the Nasim of Pashas Bamidbar. They were Mechavim Hashem Shemayim. The Mishneyu, the vice princes, is caused trouble. Yes, that's what it comes out. You would have thought they got That's away. correct. You would have thought, well, you know, so all committees are the way. How's it in all committees? That's it. Under to an untergroben. Right? That's the right word. Untergroben. Untergroben. Lumberfarm weiter. It's very, very late. I'm sorry. Now let's go to the golem. Let's, let's start reading the Degel. 
Degel, that's a, anyway, it's a political word, a political term today. 732. I didn't mean that. And we're going on. Ishal Digloi, and we start mentioning the four Degolim, right? So we start off and we say, there's the Degel, uh, excuse me, the Degel, Degel Machne Yehuda, that's in page 732, Pasuk Gimel, correct? Degel Machne Yehuda, together with Machne, Degel Machne Yehuda was Yisachar, etc. The Torah goes on to tell us who they are. Then we have the Degel, Pos, 734, Pasuk Yud, Degel Machne Reuven. Then we have uh, that page 734, Pasuk Yud Degel Machne Ephraim. And then we have a Pasuk Chafhei, Degel Machne Don. Okay, fine. Now, let's examine the Psukim. Here it says as follows. Where it speaks about those who are who rest beside them, with them, near them, the Torah says as follows. Look at Degel Machne, excuse me, Degel Machne Yehuda, right? The first Degel. So in Posik Hey it says, Vahachoinim Olov Mate Yisachar. Right? Those who are resting, those who join into this Degel. So he's the head of that, he's the leader, right? Who is the leader? Yehuda. Who's together with you? That says in the Torah, Pasuk, hey, v'achoyin olav mate, Yisachar, Yisachar is along with him. The term used in the Torah, the phrase uses v'achoyinim olav, right? Those who are choyin, who rest with him. Pasuk, hey, camped. Yeah, excuse me, camped. That's the correct definition. Camped, thank you. Okay, camped. Uh, let's go further. Pasuk, yud, degel machne uvein, good. V'achoyinim olav, and Pasuk, it base, it says, those who encamped with him or near him is mate shimon. Fantastic. Let's go to Pasuk Chof Hei on page 734. It says what? He is the head of that camp. It says, Good. Now let's go back to Degel Machne Ephraim. Pasuk Yud Ches. Degel on page 734. It's a voice. It says, does not say Vahachoinim Olov Mate Menashe. Okay. Now this Shaila, and if you take a look at the Rashi, Malamasha Pelagodal, look at the Rashi. Posuk Chaf. Rashi says Vaolov. Now Vaolov can be explained, right? Defined as the definition of Vaolov may be Vaolov upon it or over it, right? On top of it. Or Vaolov can be next to it. Rashi says, Valov means next to it, correct? Ketar gumoi, udesmichin aloi, next to them, right? So they camp next to them, yafeh. Now, you know, how many times does it say va'olov before this va'olov? Rashi talks about the Degel Machne Ephraim va'olov. It says already by Degel Machne Yehuda, va'achoinim olov. It says by Degel Machne Ruven, va'achoinim olov, right? Rashi chose to say it, ketar gumoi, wanda va'olov and pasuk chof. Now the Targum in all those places where it says Vachoinim Olov says the Targum with the Smichim next to right. Rashi chose to highlight what the Targum says only where it says Vaolov Mata Menashe. You get it? What's shot? So just going to the Rashi. Why Rashi says his comment here? So the the Mefarshim already deal with the Rashi. The Sifsechachomim, for instance. Let's go, I'll mention first, uh, okay, it makes no difference. The Sivzah Chachamim, right, who compiled, or maybe it's his own shot. The Sivzah says that due to the fact that Rashi sees before it says, V'hachoynim olov, yeah, Rashi already highlight, realized that, made the issue of it. And now it says, V'olov, so we Rashi learned as follows. When it says, V'hachoynim olov, so you can say, Hachoynim means those who can't. Olov can be next to. But V'olov, Next to what? What is Valov would mean? That has no meaning. Why should Valov be next to? When you say you can't be next to, it makes sense, right? 
So vachoynim olav, I would say it means smichim, right? But why should I interpret olav mean next to when there's no preceding word vachoynim, which means camping? Therefore, I would say olav maybe has a different meaning. Says Rashi, no, here too, the Valov has the same meaning. That's why Rashi had to say it here and didn't say it there. That's what the Sivzach HaChomim says. The Levush, the Bala Levush, the big Poisek, in the Sefer Levush HaOira on Rashi, also deals with the Rashi, and he says his own Pshat, he says, you know, when it says the Vahachoyinim Olov, it means simple, Vahachoyinim Olov, Olov means beside. If not for Rashi, I would say Valov means over him, above him. Why? Because there's Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim was the younger one. Manasseh was the Pcher. So true, Rashi tells us already in Parshas Vayechi that the Yaakov, Yaakov Avinus said that, Yaakov, it says before in the Torah, and Rashi brings a Chumash, right? He says that Ephraim, I know Ephraim is the younger one and Manasseh is the older one. Nevertheless, Ephraim will be in relation to the Dgolim and the Nesim, right? When it comes to the Degel, Right to the camp camps in the desert, so he will head the Degel even though he's younger. And the same goes when we enumerate the Nesim. That's why if you take a look at the Nesim, take a good look, if you don't mind a good look. It's just obvious in the Torah. The Torah says when it mentions, it says the, uh, the, 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 the hmm, I'm sorry, it's, it enumerates the Nesim. It says in Posik Yud, page 726, Livne Ephraim. And then it says Limanasha. Ephraim's mentioned first, and then Menashe is mentioned. And where does it say Livne Yosef? Closer to Ephraim. So the Mephorshim explained, due to the fact that uh, Yaakov of Vinu says that when it comes to split up Yosef into two, and we're dealing with the Nisim, right, with the princesses, Ephraim will be mentioned first. The same goes here too, when it comes to the Degel, so it's Degel Machne Ephraim. He's the leader of the Degel, of this camp, and Manasseh is just beside. So therefore he says, if not for Rashi, I would say Valov means that he's above him because after all he's older than him. Therefore Rashi says you should know Valov here too, nevertheless that means the same as the rest, and Valov doesn't mean that he's, he's camping besides. Okay, that's the Pshat and Rashi. But what do we do with the Chumash? Why Taka does the Chumash say Taka only? Vahachoinim in the rest of the areas and by Menashe, and here it says only, and here it doesn't say Vahachoinim olav mata Menashe, it doesn't say Vahachoinim olav mata Menashe. Now this Shail is asked by the Moshe of Skenim, one of the Gdolah Rishonim, I mean Balayatosvis, we don't know exactly who it is. He brings the shame Reish Yudchetz, I believe it's Rabbeinu Yecheskel, or Rabbeinu Yechil, whatever. Maybe it's Rabbeinu Yechil, it can be whatever. There is another Pinoch of a Rosh I have to recall who Reshut Ches may be, whatever the ca- in the Rishonim, whatever the case is. Uh, so he says, Hikshor, Omar Rabbeinu, or maybe he says it in the Shem, Re-Adenshanisht. Pcholach, in the Sefer Moshe of Skenim, which is a, 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 a compilation from Bali, Pirush Bali Ateisvis, which was published from the Sasson, 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 Sasson. Sasson Library, which he published, Sasson, in his, from his manuscripts. He published it in honor of his son's Bar Mitzvah etc., published years ago, and in the 50s, I think, whatever the case is. Anyway, he says, you know, he asks the question, why does it say Vahachoinim? He says a word which we can appreciate only with the Rogachov regard. He says, you know, because after all, they're like one, right? Because they're split in two, right? It's Yosef, which from Yosef, we have Ephraim and Menashe. So they're split in two. So that's why it says, Vahalov, Mate, Menashe. There's no Vahachoinim. You get it? We'll soon embellish it. Here we go. The Rabbi Shover Goin, in Parshas Koirach, says Pshat in this Vahachoin. 
Why it says Vahachainim and all the rest? In other words, basically, why does it say? The doesn't ask the question, but I believe from what he, the way he's speaking that he's explaining why it says Vahalov Mata Menashe. And like we see, the other Mepharshim are disturbed with it. What's the meaning of Vahalov Mata Menashe? Does it say Vahachainim? The Rogachavah is explaining why it says Vahalov Mata Menashe. Why? And here we go to an analysis of the Rogachavah going, and I'll be honest with you. I'll I'll tell you up front. We've discussed this years ago. Uh, we need a bet- I need a better understanding of what the Rogachavar going says, so therefore I'll more or less just present to you what he says. And with that we'll appreciate how we treat this possible. But before we go on to the Rogachavar going, let me just tell you what Rameir Simcha Dvinsk says on this question. Rameir Simcha Meshach says, why does it say over here, Va'olov Mata Menashe? Why does it say Va'achonim? And he says as follows. He says, you know, if you will examine Parshas Pinchas, you will see an interesting thing. The Posik tells us how many thousands, right, how many individuals there were who were suitable to go to war, right? In the Shevet, in the Ditvin Shvotim, right? Torah first tells us how many, right? How much each Shevet, uh, how many, how many uh, uh, soldiers were suitable to be in the army, right? In the, in, the, in the thousands, and then again the Torah reiterates it, repeats itself when we talk about the, the Golim. We're talking, when we're talking about how they actually camped. So the Torah again repeats each one, how large each group was. Okay, now, when it, so let's, what's relevant to us is Menashe and Ephraim. So the Torah says clearly as follows, listen carefully. The Torah says when it comes to Ephraim, the Torah says, how many thousands were they? The Torah says there were 40,000, 40, and 500. Okay, in Menashe was how many? They were, Shnaim or Shloshim, they were 32,200. Yafeh, good. Now, let's go to Parshas Pinchas, where in the 40th year, they're being counted again. Okay? Good. And there, we're counting the, the Shvotim. And let's see what, how, what they, how, they, how they add up to. The Torah says again, And there it says as follows. The Torah first tells... Okay, let's go. Uh, yeah. Menashe, Menashe is 52,700. Not bad. How much is Menashe here? 32,200. 32, so in the 40th year, Menashe ends up being... What was that? 52. No. Mm-hmm. Menashe ends up being... 52,700. 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. 50, 50, 50. 52,500. Ephraim. Yes. Forty years later. Zokhtar Meir Simcha. Due to the fact, he doesn't analyze why, but he says, look, there are much less. And he says, you know, all the Va'olovs, if you'll examine, they ended up being the, the, the head of the Degel, the prince of that, of, that, of that flag, the head of that, the leader of that camp, always remained, uh, proceeded, always remained ahead, right? The only one who got ahead of his head, of his prince, was Menashe. You get it? You'll examine all the rest were always uh, a step lower. And they remained that way, or a step lower. The way it is here, that's the way it was there. In other words, the numbers remained the same. Right? Or 
or, or whatever, Relative. right? But Menashe and Ephraim, it, it just turned the opposite, right? Menashe ends up being above him. And he says, that's why, he says, if you'll see in Parshish Pinchas, we mention, we count Menashe before Ephraim's up there. Says the Meshachachman, the reason we count Menashe before Ephraim was because there were so many more than Ephraim, and therefore in Parshish Pinchas, we mention Menashe before Ephraim. And he says, for that reason, the Torah mentions Va'olov Mata Menashe, and we're translating Va'olov means he was over him. He was above him. Torah is alluding to what will eventually be with Pinchas, with Menashe. That even though now in the yeah, state, no where they're resting, where they're encamping in the desert, Ephraim is the boss and Menashe is being, being below him, right? Nevertheless, Torah says, Va'olov Mata Menashe, you should know that eventually, you know, Torah is alluding to it. Eventually, Menashe is going to precede him, so to speak. He'll be above him. Va'olov Mata Menashe. We're in Parshas Menashe, you'll see there are many more thousands by Menashe. Not by Ephraim. That's what the Meshachachma says. Listen to what the Rogachover says. Rogachover says as follows. Rogachover has this major analysis that this whole you saw, this gather, how can Yaakov, right? Yaakov is giving Yosef the Pchoira, basically, right? He's t- removing it from Reuven, he's giving it to Yosef, and therefore he says Yosef gets a double portion in the land. Says the Rogachover going, Yaakov had the Koyach, it was Bekoichoi, to give Yosef a double portion. Only under certain circumstances. Once those circumstances change, there is no way, it's not up to him anymore. How is it and when is it? So he says as follows. When at the, mo- at the time in history where Yaakov, in other words, when Yaakov is blessing Yosef and he says, you know, like it says in Pashas Vayichi, he says to him, I'm giving you, right? That, uh, that uh, Yosef will be, Ephraim and Manash will be Keruvim Bishimim. And Rashi says, L'nachlo, that they'll have two portions in Eretz Yisrael. And as the Gemara basically says, in Masech Tahiris, he's being, the Gemara in Hiris Davov, and the Gemara in Masech Tahiris, etc. That this halacha applies only L'nachlo to Eretz Yisrael, they have two portions, but in relation to other halachas, like for instance, Paralam Dovish and Sibur, are they regarded as well, one unit or separate unit? So the Gemara discusses the Hiris, it'll be a different thing, they're actually one unit, they're not separate. It's not a separate shavit. It's only in relation to 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 inherit parts of Eretz Yisrael as a separate entity. Okay, says the Rogachover going. How does Yosef have? How does Yaakov have the kuyach to make from Yosef, who was one individual, right? That he should have two portions. I can't help you much, but I'm just going to tell you what he says. And he says, I wish I had the lashonis. I do have, but I'm not going to. Time doesn't doesn't allow. He says only under the circumstances where everything would go normal. What were the normal circumstances? And actually, eventually, eventuated that way. But something happened in between, we'll soon see. That's right. He thanked. In other words, Yidin had to conquer Eretz Yisrael, right? And that was the plan. Yeshua will conquer Eretz Yisrael, and so Taka happened. Yeshua conquered Eretz Yisrael, and therefore when they break up the land, they split up the land, Ephraim has a section, there's Nachlas Ephraim, there's Nachlas Menashe, no worries. He says, the reason why that could have been was because Yehoshua conquered the land. And that was foreseen by Yaakov, that that's what will be. And that's why he has Bekoyach to give Yosef, who was one individual, two portions. What's Pshat? He says, what occurs when we conquer land via war? Right? Mulchameh. Kibush Mulchameh. We're conquering the land. So the halacha is that Kibush Mulchameh is a legal, legal form and fashion of acquisition. And this is the legal form and, and, and fashion of acquisi- acquisition, not just for Eden, we'll have to live for non-Jews. And that, that's why the rule is, the halacha is, that when a melech, right, a king with his army, conquers a country, he conquers not just what he has, he has hold on, right, what he has, but he actually conquers the whole country. And he conquers, including its borders inclusive, right, its, its sub 
subterranean inclusive and the airspace inclusive. Now, normally, the facts are when one makes a chazok in Karaka, right? When one wants to uh, uh, make a legal acquisition in, 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 uh, in uh, Karaka. Land. In land, land, right? So to make that legal acquisition, he has to make a chazoka. He has to do an act. There's, a, there's an act of paparats, god or whatever, right? He has to do something which expresses, demonstrates ownership. And with that, digging, etc., like the Mishnah says in Yeh. And with that, he demonstrates he's, he's the owner. And that is the king in Chazoka. Cheskes Karkois. You make a Chazoka in the Karka, not Cheskes Karkois, sorry. But you make a Chazoka, king in Chazoka in the Karka, Karka is nicknamed by Chazoka. Now, by Chazoka, whatever you make the king in is yours, right? So it's land. With the king in Chazoka, you can't conquer the airspace. It's a separate thing. With the king in Chazoka, you don't also conquer, you don't affect the boundaries you conquer whatever you are kind of. Each individual is kind of a chazaka. So whatever you made a chazaka in, whatever you made this legal acquisition in, that is yours. So if he makes this legal acquisition, this, 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 this he does it legally in the right way, and he, he, whatever he's meant to do, right? So then he's kind of his section, his area, he's going, his section, his area, they're segregated, each one has his thing. So basically, uh, oh, but I can just see the other side of the coin. By Kibush Mohama, it, it's a totally different ballgame. By Kibush Mohama, when you use this form of fashion of acquisition, that you conquer the land, so you conquer everything is Mamela. Airspace and subterranean and, and boundaries, right? You get the whole country, and even though what? You're just affecting this area which you came and conquered. Nevertheless, all of it is inc- incorporated and, and fenced off automatically. You get the airspace and the subterranean beneath the, the etc., etc., all those things. That's the getter of Kibbush Muhammad. Basically, he says, in other terms, and he goes on to speak in his terminology, that when the, the army or the king or the, when, when the camp, right, there's a camp, a unit, it's actually one unit, it's an army camp, right? The, the, this, the, this group is, is conquering the space. It, when it conquers the land, it, so to speak, unifies it. It becomes one unit. They're not segregated individuals who are, who are, who are coming to, to, take, to take, take up a, a, a settlement in the land, they're, which then we could say, if they're separate, segregated individuals, so each individual, for whatever he acts, in other words, whatever he performs, the act of, of, of this legal acquisition, whatever form and fashion of legal acquisition he does, he conquers in that individual's space. Right? But when we're dealing with, with, uh, with Kibush Mulchama, because it's not so much Begedah Mulchama, because when it's done together Kibush, when it's done in a form of conquering Kibush, right? Like they scream today, Yimachishman, right? Lahavdu. Yeah, when it's together Kibush, Yahushua was Kaivesh, Eretz Yisrael, because they conquered the land, so therefore it's done together that the Machne is doing it. So it's one unit. Which therefore the land is, so to speak, in a unit. So it's all, we can't, it's not segregated. There's no separate thing as airspace, separate uh, subterranean, or, or boundaries, or just up to this point and not up to that point. It, it, it's, to, it's fully, everything is inclusive. Okay. There's a lot of other additional terminologies used by the Rogachara. That's just, just the, 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 the punchline, the, the point. The uh, Iker. So he says, by the Miraglim, by the Miraglim, when they went to enter the land, they weren't interested in waging war. That was their problem. Because all the Mephorshim deal with, what was the problem with the Mirabalim? Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to HaKadosh Baruch, HaKadosh Baruch says, and they go to inspect the land. So what was supposed to be? What was really supposed to be? Was supposed to be they were supposed to conquer the land. And conquer the land was via waging war. 
to conquer the land. They weren't interested in conquering the land. They were interested in entering the land and using their claim to the land with what? That the land is inheritance to us. The land is begetter chazoka, it is from Muchzekasi, it was given to Avram Avinu. So therefore, in order to acquire what is in our inheritance, we have to come in now, and we have to make a legal acquisition that becomes ours. Okay? So each one wanted to do it on a very, you know, we wanted to be malabatish and anshlich, without having to wage war. What would be then, says the Rogach going? so then Eretz Yisrael would be an open open space, open area to everybody. There would be no dominion. We wouldn't be uh, dominating on the airspace. We wouldn't be dominating on the boundaries. Eretz Yisrael, which is Eretz HaKodesh, the Holy Land, wouldn't have its... Which basically, if you... By, by Kibush Mulchama, you are Mekadosh. We sanctify the boundaries. So when, with something that in relation to Trumas and Maestras, etc. The special halachas which affect the boundaries. But if... You 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 can't you 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 take you acquire Eretz royal via as an individual, so it doesn't affect the boundaries. So these halachas won't affect boundaries either, and won't be affected by the boundaries. So basically, it has very strong implications. And that was the problem with the Miraglim that they wanted to be to acquire Eretz Yisrael by getting Chazaka, not by getting Kibush Mulchama. The Iker, he goes on to say, he says that's why. Listen to listen to what he says. Okay, so so the Rokhshavah says. That's the chilik. If you conquer it as via kibush mulchama, if we're doing it via conquering, that's the way we acquire Eretz Yisrael, it's one unit. So he doesn't explain, but I think he means to say, therefore, this room as one unit, everybody comes as, as, as a partner. As part. Yaakov Avinu has bekoyach to make from Yosef too, and they also take part of the land. Because we're not highlighting separate individuals. Yosef is only one. Menashe and Ephraim is two. So if we're acquiring Eretz Yisrael as individuals, so there's no way that Ephraim and Menashe are separate individuals. Ephraim and Menashe are descendants of Yosef. And Yosef has the full right, and no more than Yosef. But if we say that when we conquer, we, we're acquiring Eretz Yisrael but by conquering it, and that's like one unit, which unifies the whole land, so it's one camp, which is unifying the whole land, so therefore as one camp, there's room to argue that Yosef can split in two. Only then can Yosef be split in two, says the Rokhachov Only then. There's a lot more to what Rokhachov says, but I can't help you at, at this stage. Let's go on. Mainly he says, because the Meraglim cause had this in mind, therefore, that was their mistake, okay? That was their mistake, number one. Number two, he says, in addition to that, that, that was their mistake, he says, now we can appreciate many different things we find in relation to the, to the, to, uh, to the thing. It says in, in the Pasuk, in, in, take out, if you don't mind, take out a Parsha Shlach, and we've got to move, because I've got to finish. In Parsha Shlach, it says as follows. In the beginning of Parsha Shlach, we were mentioning about the leaders, right? It says, Lamate Ephraim. Take a look, it says, Lamate Ephraim, Hoshea bin Nun. And Yosef is not mentioned there. When it comes to Menashe, it says, Lamate Yosef, Lamate Menashe. What's going on here? What is going on? We're talking about the Nisim. Don't aren't we talking about the Nisim? And when we're talking about the Nisim, so who is the leader of the Nisim when it comes to Nisim? Ephraim, even though he's the younger one. So the Levne Yosef should Yosef should have been mentioned by the Mata Ephraim. Like we find in our case in Pasha's Bamidbar, when everything was normal. The Yosef is identified with the Ephraim. Because we're making from, we're splitting Yosef into two. Ephraim and Menashe, and Ephraim's the head there. So why over here is the Lamate Ephraim, the Yosef is omitted and it's placed by Menashe, Lamate Yosef Menashe, which is the Bechor. 
which it would make sense, but we say that nevertheless it's turned around. So he says as follows, he says, you know, if everything would have went normal, it's fine, but according to their, their approach, because they wanted to approach to conquer, to, to acquire or destroy as individuals, their Menashe and Ephraim are one, they're not two. In other words, when are they regarded as two? Only when we're going to conquer Eretz Yisrael. But if we're going to acquire Eretz Yisrael with rights, so to speak, because we have to Chazaka or, or Yerusha and the like, so there they remain as one. The Mele, he says, that's what, with that he explains why the Mata Yosef is not mentioned by Ephraim, because he's not a Bikshat there anymore. And he says that's why in, in, Talmud, Yerush, in, in Talmud Bavli it says as follows, in Mesech Tassoyit Adaflamet Ches, Yehoshua, who is from Shevet Ephraim, gets up and he wants to speak. And they shut him up. And they say, Reish Ktiyo Yemalel. The head, the, the one who has a chopped, a severed head, will speak for us. And they shut him up. So Rashi says, why do they call him a severed head? Reish Ktiyo. A moment. So Rashi says, they meant to say, they were alluding to say that he's, because he's not, he has never no children, so he's not going to conquer Eretz anyway. So therefore, he doesn't, he has, it doesn't affect him anyway. So that's why he doesn't mind going into Eretz Yisrael. Because he has no kids to inherit the land. That's what Rashi says. Others say that because they think Reish Ketia, what does that mean? Uh, a severed head because he is second to Moshe Rabbeinu. All different interpretations. Listen to what the Rabbi Shavar says. Really, Ephraim is the Nasi, right? But because they came to make a claim on Eretz Yisrael, in what form and fashion? In a fashion, not with kibush, not to conquer the land, but as individuals, there we say they remain as one. So Ephraim is no big shot anymore. He's no head anymore. He's not a nasi of that shevet. Menashe is the b'chor. Ephraim becomes a big shot because he'll have also a part, two parts in the land. But in this case, because they want to acquire Eretz Yisrael, not the way they're meant to, right? So there they remain as one. So they called him Reish Ktiya. They called him a severed head. You're not a real head. You're not a real Nasi. You're a severed head because the approach you're taking to, to, to acquire Eretz Yisrael is not the right approach. So you, Yaakov's formula won't work now that you become a head and therefore you're going to have two parts in the land. That's what the Rogan explains there. Let's go back here. It's mamish late. Ah, it's nine o'clock. Sigi Ferlach. I'm going to say two points. Just say, let's go on. He said, the Rogan says, so look, we have an interesting thing, he says. According to what, what he just presented. If they are one, if they are united as one, like we said, if we conquer the land as, like Kibbush Mohammed, it's one unit, one unit, so Israel is uniform, right? It's unified. So then they will be regarded as two. So if there is one, they are regarded as two. If they are one, if we are one, if the Am Yisrael is one, so they are recounted as two. But if they are nifrod, if they're segregated, Am Yisrael is segregated, right? Separated, they're regarded as one. That's what comes out. Correct? You get it? Good. And he says, you know, that point, Bechlal, that we can take what it says in the Torah on the one hand, that it's interchangeable, sometimes something is like one, something is like two, is Mephurish Yigemarim Yisechta Menachos. Something could be like one in the Torah, and something could be like two in the Torah, it's the same thing. How can it be? So he brings to our attention a Mishnah. In the Menachas where the Mishnah says, the din is if you have an intent, when you're taking a carbon, when you're preparing a carbon, and the Koyan has intent to eat it beyond the time, that's called Pigul. Okay? Now, he, the Mishnah says there's Shteha Lechem and Lechem Aponim. Shteha Lechem, we're coming up to Shavuos, two loaves of bread, okay? Lechem Aponim has two sections. Two, two, uh, how do you call it? Two rows. 
Two rows, right? One row of six, another row of six. That's the lechem aponim. Weekly, we and together with the lechem aponim, so together with the shtei lechem, there were two two korbonis, two lambs which were slaughtered, and together with the shtei the, the lechem aponim, we had the bozichin levoyne, the frankincense, which were brought. Uh, the shtei lechem was brought on shvuas, and the frankincense and the, and the lechem aponim was brought weekly Shabbos. Okay, now if the fellow had the rule is that there's a certain limit of the time when we were allowed to cons- so the lambs are brought on the altar. On the Mizbeach, the Lechem Aponim uh, and the Shtei HaLechem are consumed by the Koyanim. Same goes for the frankincense. The frankincense is brought on the altar and the Lechem Aponim are written by the Koyanim. Okay. Now what happens if when all of this is prepared, when he, if sorry, when the frankincense is placed on the altar or when the lambs are slaughtered, the Koyan has intent to eat the loaves or to eat the Lechem Aponim beyond its time. <coughs> so that's called Pigul. He makes a pickle, he's mefagal, the korban, and it, therefore, if one eats the breads, the shtei alechem, or one eats the lechem upon him, he's chay of chorus. Okay, now listen. So the Mishnah introduces the shit of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says in the Mishnah, if the fellow intended to eat one of the loaves, or one of the rows, or one of the breads, right? It beyond its time. So what he intended to eat beyond the time is pickle, And it doesn't affect the others. Okay, so the other loaves... Oh, excuse me, the other laws are apostle, they're possible, they're not pigle. So if one consumes them, that chorus. You don't have a chorus. And then the Gemara brings a brisa to prove that Rabbiosi is of the opinion that he says, for instance, take let's say the two loaves, right? If he had in mind, the din is when do you, you when is it pigle? If you intend to eat an olive size beyond the time. So if he intended to eat a half an olive from one loaf and a half an olive from the other loaf, we say it's pigle, and both of them become pigle. Both of them become pigle. So look what's going on here. Here, the only way we can transgress is when we combine them. Right? But really, they're not, in essence, they're separate. The Mishnah just finished saying that if he has intense to eat one bread beyond the time, so that, if it affects what he had in mind, but not the other one. And here, the only way can be pigle is if you have an olive size. He combined them both. So for each one, which really, in essence, are separate, we have a half olive. So we see that they are combined in essence as one. That's why the olive size of both makes it pigle and makes them both unacceptable and makes it chorus. Anyway, the Gemara concludes that we find in the Torah that the Torah calls it on the one hand, regards the, the two loaves as one, one unit, and regards the two loaves as two units. It's derived from Sukim. Rashi explains and Teisvitz explains it a bit differently. And Teisvitz, now the Gemara, and therefore says the Gemara, it depends on what the guy thinks. If the coin intends to eat one beyond the time, so that matches up with what the Torah says, that they're separate units. So it doesn't affect the other one. If he intends to eat both beyond the time, so then it links up with what the Torah says, that they're, they're, they're one, unit, one unit, and therefore the pigle is binding, is, is, is active. Okay, so, so basically the Rogich, and the Toysvist there, Toysvist says, the same applies for the Lechem Aponim. Lechem Aponim are identical to the Shtei Lechem. That's what's relevant to us. Okay? Good. Let's go on. Let's go on. Good. So we basically the Rogh I believe the Rogh wants to bring out from this that you see that you have something in the Torah which is one or two. What is it? There are two breads, right? And two rows. Are the two rows two or the two rows one? Are the two loaves one or the two loaves two? So the Rogh says it's just like our case. Take a Ephraim and Menashe. Just like Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe are one or Ephraim and Menashe is two? No, it depends. It depends what the circumstances are. Frame of could be one, frame of could be two. Good. 
Now you'll appreciate. Let's go to our next Gemara. The Gemara says in the Tzadik Vov, in the Sechta Merachos as follows. There's a machloikis on the size of the shulchan of the, of the, of the table in the, in the Mishka. Okay? Machloikis. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir. Let's go on. According to Rabbi Yehuda, definitely the frankincense was placed. Take out your, uh, there's, a, there's a sketch in your art scroll Chumash. I saw that this afternoon, whatever. In Chumash Shmois, you'll see the frankincense is placed. The two spoons of frankincense. One is placed on one row on top. And one is placed on the other row on top. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Because the loaves of bread filled the table. Rabbi Meir is of the opinion, no. The loaves, were, the, the, the table was, was larger. And therefore the loaves left a space on the table. Left an empty space. There was a space in between two rows. On that shulchan. There was an empty space. Forget about the measurements. Look at the Mishnah. So, one opinion in the Mishnah says, the frankincense nevertheless was placed on top. Why? It says in the Chubish. Woody, it says, you take out a, we say weekly in the Shabbat, upon it. What does it say in Parshas Vayikra? Please, come on. We say it every Shabbos, at least the Lubavitchers say it in the Siddur. Maybe we don't say it because we're running to the Kiddush. But Bechal Oifim, in Parshas Emmor, it says clearly that when it comes to the Lechem Aponim, we place it on it. Let's take a look at the Chumash, it's important. Here we go. Lechem uh, Aponim. Where, where are we? of two rows, Abashol is not. Abashol says, there's a space in between the two rows. The frankincense was placed in between. Says the Gemara, to, says the other Tana to him, how can you place it in between? It says you have to place it on it. Upon it. You have to place it upon the breads. How do you place it in between the two rows? So, so you know what Abashol says? You know, it says, Our Pasuk. What is Va'olo of Mata Menashe? He's upon him? He's over him? He's next to him. So here too, when it says, V'nasata ala ma'areches you should place the frankincense on the ma'areches. doesn't mean on him, it means next to it. Finished. Now the Toysvis Yontif in Mesechta Menachas, Perikid Aleph, Mishnehe, if I recall correctly, asks, you know how many times Olov is mentioned before V'olo of Mata Menashe? We just saw it in our Chumash. A couple of times, right? It says Olov, V'achoynim Olov, V'achoynim Olov, the Targum says it means besides, right? Why did the Gemara choose the Posuk Va'olov Matam Menashe? Abashol to Mishnah. Abashol says the Posuk Va'olov Matam Menashe. It's the same Posuk. It's, it is a Psukim right before that. Why mention it? So he says, Nishkin Glata Pshat, but he says a Doichik. He says because Va'olov Matam Menashe is shorter. You're going to have to quote the whole Posuk Va'achoynim. Olov. You couldn't just quote Olov. Va'olov Matam. Because Olov Matam means nothing. So you have to quote Vahachonim Olov. So because he wanted to speak shorter, because that's the Loshim Kitzur Aloshim Kitzur Amishnah, they record, I think, I understand, look at this, they picked that one. Listen here. The Rogachova says, look in that Gemara. Don't you get it? According to what we just discussed, that the, the Shtei HaLechem are either two or one. Good. They can be either two or one. The same goes for the Lechem Amaponim, says Thursday. The two rows of the Lechem Amaponim, are they one unit or two units? Menashe and Ephraim, are they one or two? It's not just a matter, it's a play of game, a number, a number game. It's not a number game. 
It's a concept, right? Are they in essence one or in essence two? It has, it has implications in relation to Shlachem Avashtei Alechem. It has implications in relation to Shlachem Aponim. If it, when it makes it pigul. So, Are they in essence one, Yosef, or are they in essence two? And it's not coming to so, but men are therefore, like Abinachle, etc., etc., and like Abikol. So, the Rogachover going says, the reason why Abashol shows, it doesn't say it, but it's understood from his words, that the Gemara shows the Posik Va'ol of Mata Menashe, is not just to tell you the definition of the term Va'olov. Because we have that before, Va'choinim Olov, Va'choinim Olov. But because in concept, it's the same concept. In other words, even though we're talking not drawing parallels in total, but look, we find by the same idea, we use the violov, and violov means beside. And it's the same topic, so to speak. The same concept. Okay, now let's go back to what it says here. The Rogachover says, why it says, I understand the Rogachover wants to say. We're, we're, I'm concluding. Here in our parasha, going back to parashas, yeah, we learned many different parashas today. Going back to parashas Bamidbar, it doesn't say, it says, why does it say, because what is unique, says the Rogachover going, what is unique about the Dgolim? What is unique about the Dgolim is as follows. That about Dgolim we're saying that we're giving, we're giving attention and we're splitting them in two. We're saying Ephraim is a separate entity and Menashe is a separate entity. They are deserving to be separate entities, right? Therefore Ephraim is the, the Bechor, Abchair, even though he's the younger one, he comes first. And we regard them as separate Shvatim in relation to the Golem, just like we regard them as separate Shvatim in relation to inheritance of the land, right? Said, but what did the Rogachava say? When do we regard them as two and count them as two separate entities? Only if in essence they are a one unit. Only when they are unified. So then we can re- we give each one credit, individual credit. Because they're all one unit. So therefore, as one unit, each one is something. Right? And we have the right to give each one rights, so to speak. If we're one unit. Where if they are separate, they're nifrod. They're segregated from each other there. You're separate. You're not a Yachab Adam. You're all descendants of Yosef. That's what the Rabbi Chover said. He says, that's what the Torah says. V'olov mata menashe. To highlight this point. V'olov mata menashe doesn't mean a pun. Ba'alov means beside. But if it would say, Ba'achoynim, O'lov, Matem, Menashe, we would be talking about the people who are camping, the campers. Right? Those who are camping, are camping beside Ephraim. This camp is beside this camp. Right? But when I say, V'olov, Matem, Menashe, we're talking about what the Mata stands for, what the Shevet stands for. Who is the Shevet? This Shevet is who? This Shevet is Ephraim, and this Shevet is Menashe. So the Rogat going says, when do I have Ephraim as the head of the dagger? And then Menashe as, also as a separate shavit, only when it's Va'olov Mata Menashe. Only when Menashe is unified with Ephraim. Only when it's one unifo- uniform thing, only when they're unified. Only they're one entity, one unit, right? So then I can say and regard them as two. But if it wouldn't be Va'olov Mata Menashe, it would, they wouldn't be one would be subservient to the other, so to speak. One would be tuffled to the other. One would be unified to the other. Then I wouldn't give each one attention. Then they would be regarded no merely as one. Like in the case of the Miraglim. With this we end. Have a good night. Thanks for staying. I'm very sorry. I hope you... Nish poshut, nish glat, aber interessant.